Testing, testing. This is the Cold Storage Podcast coming from the abyss of this damn pandemic that we're all in. Hope you guys are all hanging in there. We are hanging in there as well, but we're also hanging as far away from each other as possible because if anybody is going to give the Cold Storage Podcast coronavirus, it's going to be Cali. So we don't want to be anywhere near him. Um, so uh, just to put something in our feed for the past few months, I present to you all the lost episode. Believe it or not, we do have standards. I know you probably can't tell, but this episode we recorded back in 2019, probably spring or summer, it did not hit our standards and we never released it. But now you guys get to listen to what we thought was not good enough to put on the air. We know you're all at home. We know you're not going anywhere. Give this a listen. Don't review this episode on iTunes. Cold Storage is a podcast where each episode we pick a different story from the long history of comics and dissect and review it for your listening euphoria. Join us as we stumble our way through some of the most important storylines mixed with some of our favorites. Enjoy. Welcome to a new exciting episode of Cold Storage, uh, which where we review uh, pork chop sandwiches. Yep. Uh, this week, uh, so that was Callie that you're talking. I'm Spencer. This week we've got Kurt Rambus and Bill Ambeer. Hey. Hey, welcome. Kurt Rambus. <laughs> um, so we've been having Ryan a lot on our podcast. I know you guys don't know because you don't listen. You too. Our listeners do listen. I hope they listen. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, when I said you guys were going to come in, or when I said Mark was going to come in, he says, that's kind of like calling in Kurt Rambus for Michael Jordan. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you might remember Mark from our Kingdom Come episode. Mm-hmm. If you don't remember. Which ones Which ones do you guys remember? <laughs> we'll wait. I don't think they're list- I don't think they're on, dude. Caller? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Mark Cut to is- commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I was. That was a lot of fun. That was a while ago, though. I think that was several months ago. It was several months I ago. Was on. Mm-hmm. Um, several months, more like several months. <laughs> I don't understand the difference of what you said, but yes. <laughs> Capital letters makes all the difference. Just ask your English teacher. Okay. And then we also have uh, Bill Ambeer, a.k.a. Nate's Corner. In yes. The house. Yeah. Formerly known as 
Yep. He's our de facto producer um, because we're using his equipment. That's We've used his equipment from day one. So, Do I get executive producer credits? I, I think so. Executive means you do less, though. Yeah, oh, and you also yeah, have to I give them more money if, you, if you're going to be the executive producer. Well, I don't think they've got any money from anybody Dude, right else, now we have so. like $5.75 in our advertising account, dude. That's true. That's how much we've made. Mm-hmm. You guys My girlfriend asked if you had a Patreon account, and I was like, I'm sure you oh, can yeah. donate to them. Yeah, oh, we don't have a Patreon account, but we should. Maybe but we, should, we, but should we do get in. advertising money. And oh. Yeah, we've got oh, like okay. almost... Or just over five bucks, dude. So, oh, okay. And Are you guys still doing like special Patreon exclusive sections of the episodes? Uh, that was the last podcast. We didn't bring that joke over to this podcast. That was our because before. Mark, oh, in case yeah. you don't know, it's a reboot. We used to do a podcast called Key Back Issue. Oh no, I we don't that. do that one anymore. I we, just didn't know that that didn't come over. You can't just keep all the same jokes, you know. You gotta sometimes liven stuff up. <laughs> I agree. I mean, if I've taught you anything. <laughs> if taught me anything. Mark is actually my cousin. Yes. Cousin brothers. <laughs> Who love each other. <laughs> and uh anyway, uh but uh we've got uh full house tonight and the only one we're missing from our old old podcast is Ryan. We don't count Jim. That's right, we don't. Jim, <laughs> Jim never existed. <laughs> and he'll never know that we said that. But exactly. Ryan will tell him. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, so, yeah. No, it's uh, it's been a really exciting... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you... Uh, we... Go... <laughs> What just happened? I don't know. He's like trying to make thought and can't put it together. <laughs> do you guys do you do any editing? We've never needed to until you guys came. You've derailed this whole thing. Okay. I'm gonna have to do editing, but I'm not gonna remember, so Yeah, just don't publish the way it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess let's just go to the review. <laughs> So, tonight's episode, we are reviewing <clears throat> Marvel Legends Daredevil Yellow. Why do you guys say Marvel Legends? Because <laughs> that's what I thought the series Maybe it's was called. It's just a version of the, the, that trade. Mm, I don't know. I thought it was, that was what the whole series was called. Because of Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray, Captain mm. America White. I don't think they're all called Marvel Legends. I think I, that's just the think, collected edition yeah. that's named Marvel Legends. Ooh, okay. Well, well as you can tell... Well, I have the hardcover, and it does not say Marvel Legends on it. It doesn't? It does not. Oh, well, you've corrected me. So anyway, Daredevil Yellow by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Nate? Yeah? He just said Jeff Loeb. Oh, that was oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb. Jeff the Earlobe. <laughs> Can you give me some light on that? Okay. Tonight's review uh, is Daredevil Yellow by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Yep. The greatest writer and artist combo in the history of comics. I disagree, but uh, very you, good. No, no, no. Very good combo. No, you don't. No, you don't. Very good combo. Okay. Not the best. <laughs> no, seriously, Jeff Loeb is the greatest comic book writer in the history of comics. You remember there was a time where people were like all saying that stuff? Like everybody was like all over Jeff yeah, Loeb. Yeah, they dude. love Loeb, dude. 
And uh, I would never say something like that. Why do you sound the best, dude? It must be your mic. I think we need those old mics. You need back. the old model. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're all too low now at this point. Uh, so I'm going to turn this up a little bit. Uh, yeah, so I was kind of just being sufficious when I was saying Jeff mm-hmm. Loeb is the right. greatest uh, writer and Tim Sale is the greatest artist. They're both certainly not, but they did have a lot of uh, hype behind them during their time. And it's interesting to go back and read these so so much later, right? Yeah, it is definitely to go back and experience uh, now as opposed to when it came out years ago. Tell me when. Uh, 96 I want to say. Well, I think that's when they did Challengers of the Unknown. Um, but uh, this was 2001. Ah, okay. five years off. Yeah. Um, so they actually, yeah, I think that that might have been the first thing they ever did was Challengers of the Unknown for DC mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, and then they did Batman Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Blue was before this too. Uh, and I think that that was, yeah, I think. They that, did. Well, they also did like Haunted Night. Um and talking about dark victory dark victory they did no they did they did one called haunted night oh, as well. i don't know that one yeah there's dark victory haunted night and uh but i don't think yeah. they did those before this mm. at, at least my trade just says they did yeah good point they did spider-man blue i didn't actually do the research but it, here it just says jeff Loeb and tim sale who did spider-man blue on long halloween have taken an inspiring action adventure story and blended it with a romantic comedy did you guys get a Jennifer Lopez vibe from this? <laughs> <laughs> I think she planned their uh, their wedding. <laughs> this definitely could have been a J Lo Matthew McConaughey joint. Um, or uh, well, what's your favorite rom com, Mark? It's a good question. Um, it'll take me several minutes to go go into this, but. Um, I. <laughs> why do you do that? Every time we turn it up, why do you talk louder? It's just a natural signal. reaction. It's supposed to be a hand signal. Okay. <laughs> but no, I love all rom coms of any sort. Um, all of them? Because yeah. there's some pretty bad ones. No, they're all good. Do you prefer Hallmark Channel or do you prefer? You don't even know how many Hallmark movies I've seen. Yeah. It's literally tens of twenties. Do you do it just because? <laughs> You like stuff in halls, Mark? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know how to respond. <laughs> Say that was a good play on words, Spencer. That was, you nailed it. Wow. You're almost like a dispenser. No, that didn't really work. No, yeah. We should yeah. probably move on. There was a garbage <laughs> pill kid with named Spencer Dispenser. What was your garbage pill kid? I think it was. Spencer. Spencer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I the most recent rom com I watched was Message in a Bottle. Uh, do you guys remember that one? Who's in that one? Kevin Costner and Robin Lee Leach. <laughs> Robin Lee Roth. <laughs> no, Robin. Uh, the chick from House of Cards and Princess Bride. Right. Oh, Robin. Oh, right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That was like. Remember how like she was Princess Bride and then nobody cared about her for a long time? Yeah. Yep. That was during that time. Mm. It was definitely a Kevin Cost movie, but I paid for it. I rented it on Amazon, um, and I didn't get to finish watching it. I only watched like half of it. That kind of bummer, right? Yeah, that is a bummer. Uh, but anyway, that's not why you guys tuned in. And I feel like that's drowning right now, like a message in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Kelly. Yeah. So... Um, 
to the review, um, you know, at the time, um, I don't think I read this when it came out. I think I got the first issue and then stopped uh, purchasing the issues. As it was coming out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't into comics when this was out. Um, dude, I remember, like, so I was into comics in high school, then I took like a five or six year vacation from comics. Mm-hmm. And that's when these guys made their rise, right? And I remember seeing Long Halloween, somebody that I worked with, I wasn't into comics at the time, but somebody that I worked with was, and they brought it in. I'm like, this has to be the worst art I've ever seen in my <laughs> life, dude. Like, this guy can't draw. And uh, and then I just realized that I found out that I was wrong, and I had to learn oh, I thought you're, that I liked it. I thought, I thought your opinion stayed that way, that you were anti-Tim Sale. No. Oh, okay. No, dude. In fact, I'll tell you my opinion of Tim Sale's <clears throat> art. Tim Sale is consistently the worst and the one of the best artists in the same issue all the time i don't know how he mm-hmm. does it dude but like there'll be like an issue where or there'll be like a panel that's just like holy crap like so dynamic and so like right like the anatomy is spot on and then there'll be other times where like it looks like he doesn't know how the human body is put together like, <laughs> like a lot of times my biggest beef with him is when he draws side the side view he'll put the ear the reason I noticed this is because I kind of do the same thing, actually. So I'm, I'm not talking crap from like a high and mighty perspective. I'm talking crap because I know I'm not a good artist, and I do the same thing that he does sometimes, where he'll put the ear so far back, like basically on the back of the head went from a side view, and that's not how the body works. It took me a long time to figure that out. But yeah, the ear is like almost in the middle. It's a little bit more towards the back, but mm-hmm. it, it's almost in the middle. But when he draws, yeah, the ears are like way far too far yeah they're just like like fairy wings on the back of people's heads they're flying their heads around do you think it's because he he takes pride in certain panels over others like he takes his time on like hey this shot's gonna be super dynamic so let me take time and then he like rushes through the next few pages i don't know if that's why he does that but he definitely does take pride because he's one of the few artists that signs like every single the panels that you know that he that he really likes he'll put his signature at the bottom yeah (laughs) and like not a ton of people do that and so like uh yeah it's funny that he does that Mm -hmm, for sure but yeah no some of the panels are just like holy crap dude this guy is is awesome so in this uh line this I, i don't know if they call it the color line or the color anyway i've heard it referred to as a couple different things because of daredevil yellow spider-man blue hulk gray keep going captain america white there you go um batman gray two batman batman black and white yeah (laughs) (laughs) also um the um but and here's the thing is i I know spider-man blue and daredevil yellow are this way but i don't know about the other two but how they're uh love letters to the women that they're involved with and I don't know if that's how Hulk Gray is or Captain America White, uh, because I've never read either of those. Um, but you haven't read Hulk Gray? No, I've never, never no, because I can never find it for a good. Like I, I think it was out of publish. You can borrow mine. I have. Can I? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, dude. And I got it from it. like the quarter bins, dude. They yeah. were all over the place. Well, for when I was looking for it, I couldn't find it, mm. so it was not available to me. So that's why I've never read it. Uh, yeah, no, he's very nostalgic, dude. Like Jeff Loeb is very nostalgic with these characters. He grew up loving them and stuff. And so when he does it, and same it's same with like uh, Superman for All Seasons. Is he's writing a letter to uh, Lana Lang in that one, right? So mm-hmm. um, all of these are just like 
they use he uses this structure i guess which which now it actually to me doesn't date very well to me it's like uh, it just seems so rote now when i because i've recently read superman for all seasons and and spider-man blue and uh hulk gray and they, they all feel like kind of like the same thing it's just like let's just plug a different character different characters into the same story archetype. right mm-hmm. but <clears throat> that said i mean they're really kitschy they're really sentimental um, and they're uh, they do make you feel things if you're not like a jaded person, right? They, it it, uh, it shines a little bit of humanity on the on the characters, right? I would say it does. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? Uh, I agree with what you said. Um, I actually feel like they, I I. I agree with what you're saying and that it's the same formula for each of these, but I just really like that formula. So maybe I'm just a softy, but I really, I really like them. There's no maybe about it, dude. I probably am just a softy, but, um, I like the aspect of what Kelly's saying of seeing like a human element to these characters. I mean, they cool. They still have all your cool, like fighting scenes. It still has all your comic book stuff in it, but, um, I just like it's a it's a different take and and I enjoy that. Very sentimental. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I'm not saying they're bad by any means. I really like them. In fact, Superman for All Seasons is one of my favorite books ever. I love that book so much. Uh, and I really like Spider-Man Blue. But yeah, like there was a time last year where I went back back and read all these back to back, and that's when it was like too much. It was like so heavy-handed because it was like <clears throat> just so much longing for the past and. He's writing this letter to... So basically, he's writing a letter. The whole thing is set up. The narration is done. It's a letter to Karen Page, mm-hmm. their secretary. Um, and Karen Page is dead. So he, so, basic, and, and, uh, so basically, this is like a therapy exercise for Daredevil, right? Because he's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to write a letter to my old love. Um, she got killed by a bullseye uh, who killed... His other girlfriend. He's got to stop getting girlfriends. Yeah, I know. Um, or just or get, get rid, rid of bullseye. bullseye. Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Woo. <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. Let's high five. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, uh, what I didn't know in my research is that Karen Page went on to be to work in porn and was addicted to heroin before she died. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read those issues, but is that Frank definitely Miller? Have not read those. Issues. Uh, no, I don't think really? it was Frank Miller. Who did oh, those. Okay. I don't think he wrote really. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, I did read that she went on to work in porn and was addicted to heroin, and Daredevil had to get her off of heroin before she was killed by Bullseye. Well, she was shooting up with Speedy. Nope. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> That's a matter of fact. Uh, uh, so anyway but yeah so and and this the other thing rereading this is with everything that's going on with people talking about you know toxic masculinity and stuff it's kind of funny because like they hire her as their as the secretary and from day one they both are just trying to get in her pants yeah. dude like <laughs> it's yeah. like this like awkward thing and not only just the two of them they run into a villain purple man who also wants to get into her pants and gets her undressed. So, yeah. like, she's basically just brought in the story as somebody to sleep for with. everybody to chase. Yeah, yeah. dude. Which uh, was was funny to me because, uh, yeah, it was like they didn't even, like, it wasn't even like she was there for, like, months before they both decided it. It was like 
the first day she was yeah. hired on, they both wanted her. It's not <laughs> subtle whatsoever. It's it's very apparent. Yeah. And one other thing I noticed in this book too. Um, well, it's obvious, but boxing. Right. I mean, come on now. I mean, what about it? <clears throat> I'm just saying, I think it's it's odd that we're reviewing another <laughs> book with boxing in it. Stop. Stop. Whatever you Did you just see the boxing doing. page and say, hey, boxing? Right? I never knew that boxing was part of Daredevil. Dude, are you sure that you read this? This was like, one, me and Kelly did this review of Parker, and I'm flipping through it, and he's just talking about what he's literally seeing on the page as I'm flipping through it. Oh, yeah, this guy, he goes over um, no. and gets in this car, and that's really cool. No, and then, I, I, you know I read it because we talked about the Helen Keller part in this book. <laughs> so what about so, the Helen Keller part? So um, when um, Daredevil goes to confront these guys... Um, they start telling Helen Keller jokes, and he's like, "I just he says something about I don't okay, like people so, that make so Helen they're Keller in a bar, jokes." So he's not just walking down the street confronting <laughs> some guys, <laughs> right? Okay, I so think he jumps through the window. They're, doesn't he? No, they're in a bar and they're playing pool, and they, oh, these right. guys see that Matt Murdock is blind. And they're just like, oh my gosh, we're going to take all this dude's money because he's blind. And then they start making hella hella jokes. Yeah, and then... and then You they... just looked at the pictures, didn't you? Well, no. What, well, Actually, yeah. So, so him and Foggy, him and Foggy hustle these guys because Matt Murdock takes like one shot and like sinks every ball in one shot. And then uh, they, they, they confront him in an alleyway. So he was walking down the street because they confront him in the alley. And they're like uh, talking crap on him. And he's like, I don't like people that, uh, that make Helen Keller jokes. And he beats the crap out of all of them. And then there's this weird panel where he's like on a fire escape. And I don't know why it shows him like going up the fire escape. In a, like, Don't you think like you'd be coming down, not going up? Right? But he's coming up from the streets. Actually, um, no. Or maybe I'm so, looking at the angle wrong. No, uh, Tim Sale does this. It, like, You remember there's some panels where Tim Sale will show... Like one scene with Daredevil doing these action like scenes, like mm-hmm. he'll be like jumping down and kicking and uh, punching and stuff. Right. But he'll always do the thing where he puts his feet straight up in the air, and then I'm looking <laughs> at the next one, and I'm like, he's crouched down, and I'm like, I, he had to have done a backflip. That's the only thing I can think of that he's doing <laughs> when he's trying to get down is he's doing a backflip to get down because yeah. I think he tries to make these like cool acrobatic poses, but they don't actually make sense for the action that's actually happening. Right. It's um, like in a logical standpoint of like reality, it, there's no way it would work, but it's comic books, right? So we let it slide. Yeah, we'll let, dude, we'll let anything slide if it's comic books. Is that what you're saying? Especially that Nazi comic book you were showing me earlier. <laughs> What's that called? I forget what it's the called. The Girl Who Loved the Swastika. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to let that slide, <laughs> Kelly? Because no. it's comics? No. Okay, just check. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just going to buy it on eBay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't buy that. The views expressed by the people that make this podcast are not the views of this podcast. <laughs> or, or the other host. Correct. So um, what makes this what makes this book uh, special? Why are we reviewing it? Why is it important to comics? Well, part of it, I, I feel like, is I mean you're retelling the Daredevil's origin story, um, but through like 
a, a a different approach. Like it's not just a straight up like here's Daredevil. He gets chemical splash in his face. His dad gets gunned down because he didn't take a fall in boxing, and then he dons this mask and goes beats up guys in the subway or whatever. Like it's not just straight. I mean, it is that, but it's but it's through a love letter from him to Karen, and um, the the approach. I mean, this is I don't. Was this the first one like this? Because I, I believe, it, like you said, it came out before Spider-Man Blue, right? No. Spider-Man Blue came out before this one. According to the trade, the back of the trade says that he did Spider-Man Blue already. So. Okay. So, this you did say that earlier. I just wasn't listening. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the approach of the love letter, um, so, to me, it sets it apart because you feel sentimental. And, and this actually makes you have feelings toward the characters as opposed to just another origin story of a superhero um yeah well i mean that's kind of what the the whole thing about these books is right is that he um goes he just goes and revisits basically the origin um and he he does it in a sentimental way that's why what i said earlier is like i think he's very sentimental for these characters and this is just his way of writing a love letter in you know like a metaphorical and a literal love letter um, to these characters, um, I'm trying to find which ones they were, or what order they were actually done in. Well, at least Wikipedia is saying that Daredevil Yellow came out in 2002, um, but and then Spider-Man Blue came out in 2002 to 2003. So that's what I was thinking too. But dude, I saw. Uh, so it says copyright 2001 and 2002 in here. I, mm-hmm. I guess it. I guess maybe they're, I don't know. Maybe the trade came out before the single issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Actually. Probably. <laughs> Wait, so um, did this come out in single Oh, it did come out in single issues. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have them, I remember. Uh, yeah, but it, I, I'm seeing the same thing. Uh, anyway, they were all around the same time, except for... Um, uh, Captain America White, which was like ten years later. Yeah. yeah, it came out way, way longer. And the second issue was ten years after the first issue. Yeah, it was so, so far by. It was ridiculous how <laughs> no, many it even was. came out with the second Jeff issue. Jeff Lowe was working on yeah, TV yeah. or something at the time, I think. Still is, dude. Yeah. He's the head of uh, Marvel uh, TV. Oh, is so, it? okay. Yeah, if you any of those Netflix shows and like the FX shows mm-hmm. and stuff, yeah, he's the guy in charge of all that. So he doesn't need to write comics anymore man and you know the thing for, for about tim sale you know like i i actually enjoy a lot of the the artwork um especially like his splash pages or half splashes i think they were beautiful um but like you're saying about his you know anatomy and stuff it's a little bit off yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's a big deal i think he really is a good artist i just i don't think he's you know completely 100 percent knowledgeable about anatomy but I don't think that that matters. I don't think you need that to be... You definitely don't need that to be a good artist, actually. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, some of his stuff is just... Like, some of the panels in here were just so freaking awesome. And just the whole, um, like, aesthetic. The colorist is great in this, too. Oh, um, yeah. It's... Yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah. I should, yeah, we who should is the colorist? Out. Because that's what I was going to say. Especially in a book that you're actually calling a color, that's pretty important. Um, but they used color to tell the story in this book. Uh, Hollingsworth. And uh, and in all of these color books from these two, they do the same thing where they actually use whatever color that the book is called 
to highlight like important moments in the character and and what's going on like his dad is wearing yellow shorts in the in the boxing like they they use the color but the color is interesting it's almost like a like a faded watercolor type color um but it's awesome i i, I really really like the use of color in these books so so when uh tim sale did the art he would actually do um an ink wash so uh, where you're seeing the watercolor part, that's actually from the inks. Oh, okay. Well, and, that makes sense. And then yeah. the colorist just comes the in color and laid colors on it. top of it. Yeah. Okay. So, and so the lighter ink washes he did looks just like a, a, a shade. Yeah, a, a it's darker cool. shade I of like the color. That. Yeah. Um, but the color has a theme in it, which yeah definitely gives a feel to the book. And the book is all about feels. This is a really feely book. I feel like you could get your wife into this book actually, like, or any of these books because they're very like emotional and they got a lot of feels to them so. right definitely um you know you guys bringing up the the point of the colors the one thing that was a little jarring to me but not that i don't like it it just was a little jarring was the fantastic four um double splash page because they're, they're very colorful compared to the rest of the book oh i like that though because it's like they're in there to be like i don't Happy. know for them that they represent like the real like Marvel comic universe, like right. yeah. that is just like dropping into this like kind of muted universe. Mm -hmm. I like the use of the color there, but I get what you're saying. It's a little jarring as you see it because it's so different from the rest of the book. But right. I certainly think that was intentional. Uh, I, I agree. I to think... make them seem more comic booky mm -hmm. in that. I I really wish they would have just made their costumes yellow, and it would have made more sense for this kind of story. <laughs> All yellow. Human yeah. torches is kind of yellow. <laughs> he's yellow. He's yeah. He's yellow and orange. Um. And there was one other thing. Oh yeah. So what, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a few panels where like Daredevil is like sliding down poles on like his baton. Yeah. Like his feet are on the baton, and I just thought it was so ridiculous. But again, it's just this, comics. I right? believe this came out around the same time as the Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, it was where, a big thing. Where uh, yeah, what's his name? The elf guy. He surfed uh, down on yeah. a shield or something. <laughs> oh, Lagolas or whatever. No, Frodo. Frodo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Lagolas. He's called Lagolas. <laughs> What's his name? Legolas. Legolas. Yeah, Lego. I don't know. Legos. Legos. Lagolas. <laughs> I don't know. Was, dude, I don't... I've never... I think I've seen like half of one of those movies. We just lost all of our listeners. Yeah, they all turned it off. Dude. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to text them, dude. Yeah. They're not listening anymore. <laughs> so since they're not listening, what do you want to say? Bring out all of your dirty laundry right now since nobody's listening anymore. All right, so last night, okay, so, shut it down. <laughs> this uh, book is great. I think it's it, it's very formulaic, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite types of music is old school country, and it's like the most formulaic type of music that you can find. Like I, I think there is a, a beauty to staying true to a formula, and and it definitely works. And Jeff Loeb is a good writer. Um, there there was a time where I was a little bit tired of him mm -hmm. um but it's been long enough that i can go back and revisit these and i think that he is a good writer tim sales a great artist and uh he doesn't really do any interiors anymore he does a lot of covers and stuff yeah right? yeah um and the, the other thing is like if you're gonna read these um i would like spencer how you read them all at one time you might need a palette cleanser between a couple of them just to kind of refresh yourself um because they are great books and they're memorable i mean i pretty much remember everything that happened in the Spider-Man Blue and I haven't read that for five, six years. Um, so they're memorable because of the way you feel when you read it. 
Um, but like Spencer said, like taking them all in at one time might be a little bit overboard. Yeah. Yeah. They're super, they're super cute. Um, I don't know if we've really gone too much into the story, but real quick. So the story is he's writing a letter to Karen, but he's, it's, he's basically in his letter. He's retelling, uh, his own origin. Basically Karen did eventually find out that he was daredevil. So, um, even if she was alive, this wouldn't have been a spoiler to her right? Right. because she did end up finding out. Um, but he was totally in love with, like, so in love with her, which is crazy because, like, she, he asked her out on a date while he was in the Daredevil costume in this. Do you remember? And, like, uh, he's like, well, somehow it came up. Oh, she's like, why do you wear yellow? Which is a great question, actually. I've always wondered that about Daredevil. I always thought, why is he wearing, he's, like, supposed to be a night guy. Yeah. Why is he wearing such a bright color? And I'm thinking, well, it's because he's blind. He doesn't know, like, yeah. that what he's sewing is bright yellow costume. And he got punched enough that he was like, okay, i got to get a darker costume. But according to Jeff Loeb's retelling of the story, um, Karen Page is like, uh, why do you wear yellow? He couldn't answer. He never gave a good answer. The reason why is because it was his dad's. Um, color for his it was no it was dad's actual like robe his real boxing robe that he used to to make the the costume yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. um but then she's like well my favorite color is red and then immediately the next day he makes a red costume (laughs) switches to red (laughs) yeah how does he know he's blind foggy find me a red fabric let's talk about foggy dude um i really like jeff Lowe's portrayal of foggy in this Mm -hmm. um Foggy is the best friend you could possibly ever have. Like, he's one of my favorite side characters in comics because, like, Daredevil stole his girl, like, straight up from under his nose. Like, Foggy wanted to get with Karen. He expressed interest. And Daredevil nonchalantly, and M- Matt Murdock, they nonchalantly just go in and just steal. Wait, Daredevil um, and Matt Murdock? Yeah, because she's in love with both of them separately. Like, even though they're the same person, but she is in love with both of them separately until she finds out. They're the same person. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, like, Matt Murdock doesn't give a crap, dude. I know, and um, Foggy sticks by. Yeah, he does. He's like, I worked it out in my head, basically. He's like, I wanted to, he says in here, I wanted to punch you, I wanted to be mad at you, but I just can't do it. And Matt Murdock's just, like, leaning back on his desk, and he's just like, all right, cool. <laughs> so do we got any new clients for today? Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, yeah. the worst friend ever, and Foggy is the best friend of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, you could completely shit on him every day, and he would just keep coming back, dude, because right. he knows he's got a good thing with Matt Murdock. Because he's also, Matt Murdock is kind of famous. Like, that's why the Fantastic Four show up, because they want to be... Uh, represented by him they need legal representation for some reason they said um something about um like patents and uh mm. and something else that was like you know like bigger legal stuff not like because they were in trouble but like you know having patents on uh machines that Do- mr fantastic makes and then some or for like merchandise too mm. it was something like that yeah so uh so they but they had heard of him he's well known and so like yeah, I think Foggy is just worried that Matt Murdock might drop him, and so that's why he's like, "Hey, I'll just do whatever, let you do whatever you want to me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, poor Foggy. Dude. I know. Um, so maybe I didn't quite understand why he fought Electro in this, because they do show him fight like a couple different villains, um, which is cool because you get to see like the owl was a cool um, part of the book. Matador was in there. Yeah, Matador. And Purple Man. Yep. And he, Purple Man says, do you pick up his joke? He's like, he's, 
he's mind controlling Karen Page and he says, Hey, do you want to play with my purple man? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Daredevil breaks in, they start fighting, and he's like, Karen, go jump off the ledge. And he, yeah. anyway. So uh but yeah, Electro was in, but I think I was just kinda to base the to show that he was in New York, like he was in the mm-hmm. same place as, you know, Spider Man and stuff. Yeah. So um, and the the Daily Bugles in here too, like they write stories. J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson. Nope, I'm getting my two stories mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I think that's for the next yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> but they but they are in the same city, right? Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, this is good. I'll I'll be honest. I think this. I don't like this one as much as Spider Man Blue. I think Spider Man Blue oh, is really? better. Yeah, I like this one way more than Spider Man Blue. What? Why? I like the classic red and yellow costume of Daredevil, and so like the visuals appeal to me more than Spider-Man Blue does. So it's just the visuals. Well, I mean, if you think about it, right? Like we talked about, if they're formulaic and basically the same thing, and, and just inserting character here, I prefer Daredevil over Spider-Man. The visuals I prefer. So if we're essentially the same story, but just Daredevil versus Spider-Man, I'm going to pick Daredevil because I I hmm. prefer the character. I prefer Daredevil over Spider-Man. I'm with you on that, but I prefer Gwen Stacy over Karen Page, and I think maybe that's why I like Spider-Man Blue better. So Daredevil should date Gwen Stacy. Oh, man, dude. I need to take a break here. Um, I don't really. That was a joke. (laughs) It's a joke, everyone. (laughs) Which one do you like better, Mark? Of these two? Like, not including Hulk Gray? Keep Hulk Gray out of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm um, just kidding. Out of out of any of their Marvel stuff, uh, I like the story of Spider-Man Blue. I mean, they have subtle differences. They're not like all like the same word balloons and everything. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But uh, I like the story of Spider-Man Blue the best. But I'm with you. It's because of like I think the story between Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker is more impactful. Um, I think that Gwen Stacy had more to do with how Spider-Man was than Karen Page had to do with what daredevil like, was yeah that's the thing is like if this was electra it would have made yeah a little exactly bit more sense. exactly yeah and so i think the connection in spider-man blue is better um but just also i think actually from a visual standpoint hulk gray might be my favorite one it has some of the coolest like full page panels out of all of them and he uses a lot of blank space in Hulk Gray, which is kind of cool. It's a cool artistic thing. He'll do like a huge spread, but like Hulk, it will just be sitting on like a tiny little cliff, like in the corner. It's very, very yeah. cool. So from a visual standpoint, I think I like Hulk Gray the best, but um, Daredevil, I don't know. There's some really cool panels in Daredevil. The use of movement in Daredevil Yellow, which is cool because, you know, that's what Daredevil does. Uh, like how he depicts movement in Daredevil Yellow is is amazing it's awesome mm-hmm. it's so cool and he does like huge panels and shows every movement that daredevil's doing to get to where he's at and it's just so the use of movement and how stuff moves around is so i guess i like all of them for different reasons it sounds yeah, like it's a good point i i love that bar scene when he breaks through that window it's very cool it's all, i mean that his batons like bouncing. i mean honestly you don't need to even read these books half the time in fact a lot of times i'll just take it out and just flip through it and look at the pictures just because they're so they're awesome like they're so beautiful so uh so yeah i mean the story is great but yeah i think just as a combo these mm-hmm. guys are both yeah i uh <laughs> i heard this joke one time where um to read my brian michael bendis you need to be taking a dump <laughs> but to read jeff Loeb, you can be stand up to take a pee 
just because of how fast his books read. Yeah, I don't understand that. Where, where are people telling these jokes? <laughs> it, was, it was some other podcast or something, or some interview. Oh, no, I was, was like, at this bar, and this guy was sitting next to me. He's like, hey, check this joke out. Hey, brother. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jeff Loeb. <laughs> Take a pee. That's the, that is the most, like, specifically targeted joke, like, that I've ever heard in my life. I was just in the urinal, and the guy went over and was like, hey. I could totally read Jeff Loeb right now, right? That's like, like, uh, probably like the people who do underwater basket weaving have jokes that are more like for a broader audience than what that joke was for. Nate, what was your favorite book of all time? Um, of any book? Of any book ever? Catcher in the Rye. I don't know. That's a Catch, good book. yeah, Catcher in the Rye. That's a good book. There you go. Catcher in the Rye. Go check it out. <laughs> of the library. Go check it out. Um. Yeah, Holden Caulfield. Have you ever read that book, Callie? Nope. Have you ever read any book that's not a comic? Yeah. I've Besides read a few. the Book of Mormon? Yeah, a few. <laughs> Specifically. You're lying. I'm not lying. <laughs> In the past 10 years. <laughs> yeah, Ready. I read Ready Player One recently. It was like a couple months ago. Audiobooks don't count. <laughs> Wait, they don't. I haven't read for this conversation. They don't. For this conversation, they don't. Yeah, I'd... read a book right now. Uh, okay. So you can find us on Instagram at Cold Storage Podcast. Email us at the Cold Storage Podcast at gmail um, also find us uh, or give us reviews and ratings on uh, iTunes, uh, Podbean, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please, we'll settle for a four star review, right? Four or higher, yeah. Four or higher, mm-hmm. and then uh, leave us some comments. Email us if there's a certain book you'd like us to review. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, have a good summer. Good summer. Good life. Good life. <laughs>